0: Part one, chapter six of True Stories from History and Biography by Nathaniel Hawthorne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain The Pine Tree Shillings According to the most authentic records, my dear children, said Grandfather the chair about this time had the misfortune to break its leg it was probably on account of this accident that it ceased to be the seat of the governors of massachusetts for assuredly it would have been ominous of evil to the commonwealth if the chair of state had tottered upon three legs being therefore sold at auction alas what a vicissitude for a chair that had figured in such high company our venerable friend was knocked down to a certain captain john hull this old gentleman on carefully examining the maimed chair "'discovered that its broken leg might be clamped with iron "'and made as serviceable as ever. "'Here is the very leg that was broken!' exclaimed Charlie, "'throwing himself down on the floor to look at it. "'And here are the iron clamps! How well it was mended!' "'When they had all sufficiently examined the broken leg,' grandfather told them a story about Captain Hull and the pine-tree shillings. The Captain John Hull, aforesaid, was the mint-master of Massachusetts, and coined all the money that was made there. This was a new line of business. For, in the earlier days of the colony, the current coinage consisted of gold and silver money of England, Portugal, and Spain. These coins being scarce, the people were often forced to barter their commodities instead of selling them. For instance, if a man wanted to buy a coat, he perhaps exchanged a bearskin for it if he wished for a barrel of molasses he might purchase it with a pile of pine boards musket bullets were used instead of farthings the indians had a sort of money called wampum which was made of clam shells and this strange sort of specie was likewise taken in payment of debts by the English settlers. Bank bills had never been heard of. There was not money enough of any kind in many parts of the country to pay the salaries of ministers, so that they sometimes had to take quintals of fish, bushels of corn, or cords of wood, instead of silver or gold. As people grew more numerous and their trade one with another increased the want of current money was still more sensibly felt to supply the demand the general court passed a law for establishing a coinage of shillings sixpences and threepences captain john hull was appointed to manufacture this money and was to have about one shilling out of every twenty to pay him for the trouble of making them hereupon all the old silver in the colony was handed over to captain john hull the battered silver cans and tankards i suppose and silver buckles and broken spoons and silver buttons of worn-out coats and silver hilts of swords that had figured at court. All such curious old articles were doubtless thrown into the melting pot together. But by far the greater part of the silver consisted of bullion from the mines of South America, which the English buccaneers, who were little better than pirates, had taken from the Spaniards and brought to Massachusetts." All this old and new silver being melted down and coined, the result was an immense amount of splendid shillings, sixpences and threepences. Each had the date 1652 on the one side and the figure of a pine tree on the other. Hence they were called pine tree shillings and for every twenty shillings that he coined you will remember captain john hull was entitled to put one shilling into his own pocket the magistrates soon began to suspect that the mint master would have the best of the bargain they offered him a large sum of money if he would give up the twentieth shilling which he was continually dropping into his own pocket but Captain Hull declared himself perfectly satisfied with the shilling. And well he might be, for so diligently did he labor, that in a few years his pockets, his money-bags, and his strong-box were overflowing with pine-tree shillings. This was probably the case when he came into possession of Grandfather's chair, and as he worked so hard at the mint, it was certainly proper that he should have a comfortable chair to rest himself in when the mintmaster had grown very rich a young man samuel sewell by name came according to his only daughter his daughter whose name i do not know but we shall call her betsy was a fine hearty damsel by no means so slender as some young ladies of our own days on the contrary having always fed heartily on pumpkin pies doughnuts indian puddings and other puritan dainties she was as round and plump as a pudding herself with this round rosy miss betsy did samuel sewell fall in love AS HE WAS A MAN OF GOOD CHARACTER, INDUSTRIOUS IN HIS BUSINESS, AND A MEMBER OF THE CHURCH, THE MINT MASTER VERY READILY GAVE HIS CONSENT. "'Yes, you may take her,' said he, in his rough way, "'and you'll find her a heavy burden enough. "'On the wedding day we may suppose that Honest John Hull "'dressed himself in a plum-coloured coat.' all the buttons of which were made of pine-tree shillings the buttons of his waistcoat were sixpences and the knees of his small-clothes were buttoned with silver threepences thus attired he sat with great dignity in grandfather's chair and being a portly old gentleman he completely filled it from elbow to elbow on the opposite side of the room between her bridesmaids sat miss betsy she was blushing with all her might and looked like a full-blown peony or a great red apple there too was the bridegroom dressed in a fine purple coat and gold lace waistcoat with as much other finery as the puritan laws and customs would allow him to put on his hair was cropped close to his head because governor endicott had forbidden any man to wear it below the ears but he was a very personable young man and so thought the bridesmaids and miss betsy herself the mint master also was pleased with his new son-in-law especially as he had courted miss betsy out of pure love and had said nothing at all about her portion so when the marriage ceremony was over captain hull whispered a word to two of his men-servants who immediately went out and soon returned lugging in a large pair of scales they were such a pair as wholesale merchants use for weighing bulky commodities "'and quite a bulky commodity was now to be weighed in them.' "'Daughter Betsy,' said the mint-master, "'get into one side of these scales. "'Miss Betsy, or Mrs. Sewell, as we must now call her, "'did as she was bid, like a dutiful child "'without any question of the why and wherefore. "'But what her father could mean unless to make her husband,' pay for her by the pound in which case she would have been a dear bargain she had not the least idea and now said honest john hull to the servants bring that box hither the box to which the mint-master pointed was a huge square iron-bound oaken chest it was big enough my children for all four of you to play at hide-and-seek in the servant's tug was might and main but could not lift this enormous receptacle and were finally obliged to drag it across the floor captain hull then took a key from his girdle unlocked the chest and lifted its ponderous lid behold it was full to the brim of bright pine-tree shillings fresh from the mint and samuel sewell began to think that his father-in-law had got possession of all the money in the massachusetts treasury but it was only the mint master's honest share of the coinage then the servants at Captain Hull's command heaped double handfuls of shillings into one side of the scales, while Betsy remained in the other. Jingle, jingle went the shillings as handful after handful was thrown in, till plump and ponderous as she was, they fairly weighed the young lady from the floor. "'There, son Sewell,' cried the honest mint-master resuming his seat in grandfather's chair, "'take these shillings for my daughter's portion. Use her kindly, and thank heaven for her. It is not every wife that's worth her weight in silver.' The children laughed heartily at this legend, and would hardly be convinced but that grandfather had made it out of his own head he assured them faithfully however that he had found it in the pages of a grave historian and had merely tried to tell it in a somewhat funnier style as for samuel sewell he afterwards became chief justice of massachusetts well grandfather remarked clara if wedding portions nowadays were paid as miss betsey's was young ladies would not pride themselves upon an airy figure as many of them do End of part one, chapter six